This is Chapter Thirty Five of The Boy's Life of Mark Twain. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, visit LibriVox.org. The Boy's Life of Mark Twain by Albert Bigelow Payne. Chapter Thirty Five Beginning Tom Sawyer. It was at the end of January, eighteen seventy four, when Mark Twain returned to America. His reception abroad had increased his prestige at home. Howells and Aldrich came over from Boston to tell him what a great man he had become, to renew those Boston days of three years before, to talk and talk of all the things between the earth and sky. And Twitchell came in, of course, and Warner, and no one took account of time, or hurried, or worried about anything at all. We had two such days as the aging sun no longer shines on in his round, wrote Howells long after, and he tells how he and Aldridge were so carried away with Clemens's success in subscription publication that on the way back to Boston they planned a book to sell in that way. It was to be called Twelve Memorable Murders, and they had made two or three fortunes from it by the time they reached Boston. But the project ended there. We never killed a single soul, Howells once confessed to the writer of this memoir. At Quarry Farm that summer Mark Twain began the writing of The Adventures of Tom Sawyer. He had been planning for some time to set down the story of those far-off days along the river-front at Hannibal, with John Briggs, Tom Blankenship, and the rest of that graceless band, and now in the cool luxury of a little study which Mrs. Crane had built for him on the hillside, he set himself to spin the fabric of his youth. The study was a delightful place to work. It was octagonal in shape, with windows on all sides, something like a pilot-house. From any direction the breeze could come, and there were fine views. To Twitchell he wrote, "'It is a cozy nest, and just room in it for a sofa, table, and three or four chairs, and when the storm sweeps down the remote valley, and the lightning flashes behind the hills beyond, and the rain beats on the roof over my head, imagine the luxury of it. He worked steadily there that summer. He would begin mornings, soon after breakfast, keep at it until nearly dinner-time, say, until five or after, for it was not his habit to eat the midday meal. Other members of the family did not venture near the place. If he was wanted urgently, a horn was blown. His work finished, he would light a cigar, and, stepping lightly down the stone flight that led to the house-level, he would find where the family had assembled, and read to them his day's work. Certainly those were golden days, and the tale of Tom and Huck and Joe Harper progressed. To Dr. John Brown in Scotland he wrote, "'I have been writing fifty pages of manuscript a day, on an average, for some time now, and consequently have been so wrapped up in it, and dead to everything else, that I have fallen mighty short in letter-writing.' But the inspiration of Tom and Huck gave out when the tale was half finished, or perhaps it gave way to a new interest. News came one day that a writer in San Francisco, without permission, had dramatized The Gilded Age, and that it was being played by John T. Raymond, an actor of much power. Mark Twain had himself planned to dramatize the character of Colonel Sellers, and had taken out dramatic copyright. 
he promptly stopped the California production, then wrote the dramatist a friendly letter, and presently bought the play of him and set in to rewrite it. It proved a great success. Raymond played it for several years. Colonel Sellers on the stage became fully as popular as in the book, and very profitable indeed. End of chapter 35